You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Hey guys, it's Kat and Stefania. You're listening to This Life Explains It All, or you might be watching This Life Explains It All. So we are experimenting with doing a little bit more video. We may share the recordings of these podcasts now that, you know, regardless of where you're at with reopening, we're still spending a lot of time at home. We're hearing people are wanting and liking more video. So look out for more of that from us. But if you're watching, you'll see that I am recording from what looks like an attic. I'm in my brother's attic in Buffalo, New York, because I'm back here visiting some family and spending some time here this summer. I'm still in Sydney, Australia. I haven't left. Hopefully I can travel back to the US sometime soon. Not sure when that's going to be, but yeah, I haven't been doing much traveling. I have been missing my family and my friends a little bit more, probably because you guys are all together. Yeah. So I'm itching to come back, but right now it's not possible. Yeah. Got to set all our intentions out. Yeah. So how's your trip been? What have you been up to? It's been really good. We really haven't talked that much because it's really Mm -hmm. weird when I'm in California and on my normal routine, like I feel like I'm very connected and on my phone a lot, but like when I'm here for some reason, I just put it aside and don't look at it for hours, which is really nice. But it's great. If you guys listen to our podcast, like probably a month and a half ago, I talked about how I was wanting to go on this trip, but I was really apprehensive and had decided I wasn't going to go. And then I got a really crazy sign, a very specific sign to go. And so I booked my trip and I'm out here and there were tons of precautions needed and a very, very different kind of travel experience. And even being here and being really careful and I haven't even seen all you know, a lot of my family members yet. But despite all of that effort, I'm glad that I came. And it's been really, really nice and really different. And I feel like almost I'm taking a break from regular life, even though I can do what I do from anywhere. I've, I don't know, I've just felt a little bit different. And then I've really, this past week, taken a step away in a lot of ways from responsibilities, being so connected And so it's been good, but I'm glad, I'm excited this week, Kat, I was telling you this, to start getting back into my rituals again, because I kind of lost them. Yeah. It's crazy how when you travel, we were talking about this yesterday too, when you travel, especially when I travel back to the US and I'm seeing everyone for the first time in a while. And I feel like my, all of my rituals just go out the window. (laughs) So it's really, you know, at the end of the trip, I'm like, okay, I'm excited to just get back home, get back into my healthy point because I'm definitely not as healthy when I'm doing that. 
I know. And it's like, it made me realize, especially because I'm, you know, I'm in upstate New York. The lifestyle is a little bit different up here. I am not around as many people who have quite the morning practice or quite the set of rituals that I have that I've come to have over the years and love and keep me sane and keep me healthy and all of these things that I know both Kat, you and I have. It's fine, you know, for a week or so to let that go. But now I'm like, okay, I need this. I really need this. It's funny. I always crave my, you know, healthy drink that I have every morning and my workout routine. And like the past couple of days, I wasn't really even craving it. And I was like, okay, that's telling me I'm, I let myself off a little bit too much. And now I'm getting back into it today, but it's crazy because it takes a lot of effort to bring that wherever you go and keep all of that with you wherever you go. Yeah, exactly. It's not always realistic. Yeah. I saw that trip that you did with Steven and you had like 10 powders with you. (laughs) I know. It was so ridiculous. When I was unpacking it, I just, I was like, this is actually ridiculous. Why are we bringing all this stuff? But it's, you know, I love it. Well, on that note on rituals and practices, I've been trying a new thing and I've talked about this on the podcast before. I have always had irregular cycles. They're sometimes... 40 plus days. So they're really long. And I never really paid attention to it until the past couple of years. And I've been doing a lot of research on it and reading and just on balancing your hormones. And one of the biggest factors, which was surprising to me, and it made sense once I read about it, is exercise. So if you exercise at a high intensity at the wrong time in your cycle, you can actually put on weight and it also causes you to have irregular cycles. So that was really eye-opening to me because I remember there were certain times when I would do long runs and bloat really heavily. And I just couldn't understand, especially if I ran, if I did a half marathon or something like that, that was more obvious. But even like anything over three miles, I would bloat. And I couldn't understand why that was happening when I'm running. And that's such a great thing to do for your body. So it's interesting because so much of our cycles and our hormones has to do with our exercise, also how we eat. And there's all these other factors, but exercise is a big one. So what I've been sticking to is working out based off of the time I'm at my cycle. So in the first two weeks, you can do really high intensity, running, whatever that may look like for you. And the second two weeks is very low impact. So walking, I'm doing body weight, strength workouts, things like that, that are just very low intensity. Have you noticed a difference yet or do you feel like you need to do it longer? I think I would need to do it longer to notice a difference. So probably you would probably notice within three months, I would say, to really see if it's making an impact. But I have noticed, like I always, running was always my thing to do to relieve stress and just have mental clarity, all of that great stuff. But I'm realizing that I actually don't need that to feel good. I can still do a low impact workout and get those same, not the exact same benefits, but I'm just retraining myself that it doesn't, I don't have to go on a run to feel those things. 
Yeah, that's actually really interesting for me because for many, many years, I struggled with my weight. I was always like 10 pounds overweight and I'm really petite. And so you could really tell. And I tried so many different things. I did cardio, I did HIT, I did everything. And I always, and actually when I worked out more, that's when I was more like had this extra weight on me. I won't say overweight, but when I had this extra weight I was carrying on me that I didn't need. And when I switched and I do Tracy Anderson method, which is not really high intensity. I don't even do the dance workouts. I only do the other kind of fluid movements. And it's really not a lot of cardio and I'm the thinnest and healthiest I've ever been. And I don't do really any cardio. I mean, I walk, but I, I don't really do like running or any high intensity exercises. And when I did do that, I was bigger. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's because a lot of the research that's been done on working out is has been done on men. And men, they work on a 24-hour body clock, but women are on a 28-day body clock based off of our menstrual cycles. And there's not a ton of research done on that. So all of the workout advice out there is for men, really. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I remember when we had Andy Mant, the founder of Blue Blocks, and talking about light health and how we use our circadian rhythm for weight loss, he shared that it's best to work out in the morning because that's when, I think he said for men and women, our hormones are most aligned for doing some kind of workout. And then from two to four, you can work out when that's when your testosterone levels are highest. So if your goal is to build muscle, that would be a good time. But after four would be an absolute no-no because you're really messing with your circadian rhythm if you're working out in the evening. Yeah. And your cortisol levels will rise at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Well, on this episode, we wanted to talk about a couple of things related to how we really optimize our work and our personal lifestyle and how we're feeling when we're doing so much from home. So obviously this is not a new thing. It's not new that we're home, that we're working from home. We're no longer technically a lot of us in a quarantine, but for most of us, for many of us, working from home feels like it's going to be an indefinite thing. And so what we've been hearing a lot and what we've been feeling a lot is how do I like feel productive and good about what I'm doing and excited and that it's landing well when I'm talking about my work. And Kat's going to talk about some learnings and a really cool talk that she had there. And then on the other side of it, what are the things that I can do to really feel like I'm put together? Like I feel good about myself, even though I'm inside a lot and I'm, I'm working in my pajamas or whatever I'm doing. So we thought that those could be some helpful things to talk about as we continue on this, I guess, this journey of, you know, really not having an end in sight of when we're going to not be working from home anymore. I think that working from home will probably be something that just carries on. Even with the quarantine lifting, which isn't a bad thing, but it's just optimizing that time at home when you're presenting to, maybe you're presenting to clients or internal teams and how can you optimize that experience so it feels like you're still in person and communicating in that way. Yeah. I feel like the first round of working at home content that we talked about like months ago was more about like, how do you hold it together? How do you hold your day together? All of that, what I would think of as like the V1. And this is really, conversation is meant to be the V2. It's like, okay, you got all the groundwork done, but it's like, this is the new normal. That's a weird term, but 
that's what came to mind to say. And so it's it's like, how do we really feel like we do, we can be proud of our work and, and do great things. And so I thought it was really interesting, Kat, the talk that you, that you were part of um, and what you took away from it. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So I recently listened to a talk by Craig Wortman, who is a professor at the Kellogg School of Management. So he did a talk about it was mainly about presenting and storytelling in a virtual reality world that we're currently in. What he talked about was, okay, we're in a virtual world right now. And there are some things that we all need to keep in mind as we're presenting to essentially a screen with people on it. And it's very different. And But people will consume information very much the same way. So that we know that people make decisions based on emotion and, you know, that they need to feel a connection to the other person. So all of those things are still there, but it's a lot harder to do, or it's just different when we're doing it virtually. So one of the things, and Stefania, you alluded to this earlier that he said is that, that I thought was really interesting is that 55% of your impact is you with your sound off. Sorry, the way that you look and your body language. That's 55% before you even say anything. And I feel like one thing that just came to mind when you said that is something that we learned early on. We were doing a lot of workshops around this stuff and like projecting confidence was like, was just that. Like, how do you hold your body so that you project confidence where your chest is a little bit more out versus constricted and yeah. you're, you know, taking up space with your body versus crossing mm-hmm. your legs. I feel like all of these things from what we had learned in the past were part of presenting confidence and presenting that you know what you're talking about when you're when you're presenting in any way. Yeah, exactly. And on that note, he also said, like, if your head is like this on the screen, like really low, you're basically... (laughs) So if you're just listening to it, Kat's head is just in the bottom quarter of the the screen. (laughs) Yeah. And if your head is like that, you're basically saying, I'm giving away my power. This is not... like Because you're not having a powerful stance, you're giving away your power and saying, I'm not really... I'm not worthy. It's just so fascinating. And then the next highest percentage is that the vocal is the next most important thing. So how you say what you say. So your tone, how many times you pause, it's just pausing with with nothing, and your cadence. So that's the next biggest percent. I think it's around 40%. I feel like there's so much power in a pause And it goes back to the confidence. When we're not feeling confident, we tend to want to take up space with our words. But when you are confident, and if you think about confident speakers and speakers that you've enjoyed watching, they do like take a minute because they have the confidence to like take that space. Yeah. I learned that in coaching when I went to some coaching training, actually, that when you're working with clients, a pause can be the most impactful thing for them because they're like, you think that they're waiting for you to say something, but they're not. They're actually thinking about your question and Mm -hmm. really reflecting. It's hard to do, but if you can do it, you can actually hear them making like connecting dots and it's it's really fascinating. So pausing is huge. And then the last percentage, so 7%, only 7% is verbal. So what you're actually saying. Isn't that crazy? Wow. 7%. Yeah. 
So one of the things that he said too, and we've talked about this is the importance because so much is your, not necessarily your, you know, your general appearance, but like, like how you're standing and the presence of yourself. So part of that is absolutely still dressing up. And I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes I, you know, I, I could definitely look better, but I've been making so much more of an effort, like getting ready in the morning, taking a shower, just getting dressed and like, as if you were going to a regular meeting. So he talks about that. There are two other things that I thought were really interesting that I haven't heard of before. He said on your desk to put down a white tablecloth because it reflects light up from the white reflects up. Yeah. Interesting. And also put a lamp like slightly behind your computer. It could be on whatever side you want on the right or left, a tall lamp. And that will reflect light to your your face. Um, so just little things like that. And then if you can, stand. Like stand during the whole day, to, and especially if you have meetings. So the reason for this is that higher levels of our energy shoot up when we're standing. So we're basically projecting positive energy when we're standing. And we can use more yeah. of our hands. We can move our body. We can be more animated. And that projects positive energy. And we know that positive energy is contagious. So standing is a big one. So you can use your body so you can share that positive energy around. I feel like the ones that really were like, whoa, for me were the first couple of percentages that you shared, how much of the communication and how much of what people take in is your nonverbal communication and your stance mm-hmm. and how you project yeah. and the pausing as well. I think those are two big ones. I think most people probably aren't doing as much as they could. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to keep that in mind as well. Yeah. And he also talked about just like other things. When you're presenting in a virtual setting, using more images, he talked about how he yeah. got a subscri- subscription to Getty as soon as the quarantine happened because he wanted to make sure that he could pull these really powerful images through his presentations to keep people engaged, but then also have that more emotive response. And then he would yeah. tell a story that relates to one of the images. So I thought that that was interesting too. You know, Kat, that made me think a little bit about one of the most impactful workshops that I did, that we both did at BuzzFeed with uh, Dr. Barbara Tannenbaum of Brown University, Mm. where she did one-on-one workshops with all of us years ago on presentations. So, I mean, they're not the same things. They're different, but also on the subject of presentations. I I have to say, this was honestly one of the most impactful workshops I've ever done, and I've kept it with me. But some of the things that she shared if you guys listening are thinking about how can I kind of step up my game or maybe you're going for a new job, one of the things that she said that was really simple but that I would use afterward and was pretty impactful was turning the slide presentation off. I still do this now actually when I do the human design talks. Turn the slides off and completely off and just show your face on video. And if you're in person, just turn the background off. And there's some shortcuts depending on what computer you have that you can do that for. But when you're giving a presentation, you don't have to have the slides on the whole time and you can turn them off as you go. And that really makes people stop and look at you and what you're saying. So I feel like putting together this advice, Kat, from this talk with some of these things from Barbara Tannenbaum could be really impactful. 
Yeah, I remember that. We had to do a presentation using all the things that she taught us and then watch it after. And I yeah. was so more mortified because it was so like I was so early on. I've never had to watch myself present before, but it was so, so helpful. One other thing that uh, really stuck with me, I'll just say one other thing from her was more about email. And she said, whether you're verbal or email, a lot of people use the beginning of an email and they say, I just wanted to Mm. reach out. I just wanted to remind you. And she said something along the lines of that is the least confident language that you can ever use. I just wanted to, first of all, don't say just, it minimizes anything else that comes after it. And you wanted to is not speaking in the present tense. And so that kind of totally took that out of my, out of, I don't know, the language I was using, but I think a lot of people do that. And I remember Mm -hmm. that she said that. Yeah, that was really good because they're just little things that you're not necessarily conscious of unless someone tells you. Yeah. And I think it's all, all, a lot of these things go back to confidence, have Mm -hmm. confidence in what you're talking about. You don't have to know every single thing and you know what you know and lean into that and project your confidence and know that you deserve to be there or you wouldn't be there. And, you know, don't crouch into all of these things that we tend to do when we feel like we hope that it's good or we hope they like it, you know? Yeah. Because if you're, I mean, even I'm just thinking about an example in a sales situation. Yes, they are, if a client is giving you money to execute something, but they need it just as much as you do. So the other side of what we wanted to talk about is a little bit different, but in the same vein, I've actually been having a lot of conversations around this lately. Someone recently said, you know, I feel like I'm doing well at work, but I just, you know, it's been so long and I just feel like I'm not myself anymore. I feel like I look at photos of myself and I'm like, I'm not that anymore. And some of it is physical. Some of it is, you know, some of these more perspective type things and how I feel. But when it comes down to it, it's important that we take care of ourselves and we feel that we feel and look in a way that makes us feel good, whatever that might be. And so I put together a little list of some of the things that I do in order to feel put together and feel like myself and not feel like I'm, you know, let myself go in any way while I work from home that I do that help me be put together and just have fun and enjoy myself a little bit more during the day. Number one, I wear my special jewelry pieces when I'm inside. Um, Even if I'm not doing anything, even if I don't have calls and I'm just getting ready for the day, some things that I normally would only wear on special occasions, or I would only wear if I'm going out of the house or seeing someone, I'll just put something on. I have a lot of special family pieces and I also have other pieces that are not expensive, but they have sentimental meaning to me. And I put them on and I kind of adorn myself with those things in the morning. And they're just a little thing. When I catch a glimpse of it, it makes me feel good. So a lot of times when we're just in our sweats at home, we're like, why am I going to put jewelry on? Why am I going to put this, whatever your adornment might look like? Why am I going to adorn myself in any way? But try it out. For me, it makes me feel good. Speaking of being in sweats, one thing that I've done since the beginning is if I'm, first of all, I love being in leggings and sweatpants and I love it. Um, So I'm not knocking that. But one thing that I do is I always wear monochromatic sweats and they don't mean, they're not always those cute 
Instagrammable outfits that are matching sets that I buy that way. I, I just match them. Like if I'm wearing a certain color pant, I wear the same color top. They're not always, you know, sets. They're just things that I put together, sometimes with really old or, you know, things that I've inherited. But I'm monocratize, monomatic, monochromatic. Ties. I don't know how to say that, my sweats. And it makes me feel like I have an outfit on and I have my jewelry on and I feel good. And I've put together some outfit in some kind of way and I feel good about that. So those are a couple of kind of physical, fun things that I do. One of the other things I do is like anything that feels like it is simply for utility, I remove that. So like having all those hair bands on my wrist, like I take those off my wrist. Like that is for utility. If I'm not using them, I don't use them. Anything else that I have that's for utility, I put that aside and next to me and it's near me if I need it. The next thing that I do is I I labeled this glow up your skin. So I have a few different mist sprays that I like to use. You can get these really inexpensively depending on which one you like. Right now I use the Indie Lee, which is Hyaluronics toner. And it's it's pretty well-priced, but you could get them across the spectrum of, of price points. And I just kind of spray my face with it through the day. It's a little kind of moment that I take and refresh myself and I feel refreshed and it just feels good. One other thing that I do that really makes a big impact for me, I don't know if this will be as important for you, but it really is. I love drinking out of nice glassware. So even when I go to restaurants, I always comment with my friends, like the experience for me is elevated if they have nice plates and glasses. But I love drinking out of nice glassware and I love to indulge a little bit indulge, I'm saying in, in uh, air quotes, by getting a nice sparkling water in the glass bottle. I love the Mountain Spring one and the Topo Chico. Those are my favorites. And I get the sparkling water and I cut up lemons and I put them in the fridge. And when I sit down at my computer, I sit down with a beautiful glass of sparkling water and a little lemon slice in it. And it's super easy and inexpensive and it makes me feel elevated and it makes me feel like I'm being chic and it just makes me feel good and put together and it's a really easy thing to do. So those are my more physical, maybe superficial things that just make me feel put together when I'm working from home, which is always really. And those things help me. So I'm curious if anyone tries those out, what you think, and if you have other little things like that, that feel good to you. As I'm saying this, I'm remembering this old Sex in the City episode where Carrie talked about how it made her feel so good to stand up in her kitchen and eat saltines with jelly while reading fashion magazines. <laughs> and it was just like a really random kind of weird thing that made her feel really good. And so that's kind of what some of these things do for me when I'm working from home. Love it. I love the glass. Just having a little bit of a sparkling drink or really anything that you like, like get like a charcoal lemonade or something that's special and kind of put some ceremony or ritual around it by putting it in your favorite glass or order a really cool glass. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important to get ready in the same way or, you know, tweak it a little bit that you normally would if you were going to an office or you were going somewhere 
it really shouldn't be any different. It's just that it's easier not to, but I think it definitely impacts the way that I feel about myself when I don't get ready. Yeah. And getting ready can mean so many different things. Like sometimes for me, getting ready is just like, I'm going to get really clean and I'm going to put all my serums on and all of these things. Like it doesn't have to mean you're getting, putting an outfit on, like you're going out to work and putting all your makeup on. Like that's not what it needs to be. It can be different for everyone, but whatever it is where you're like, I did something for me and I feel good. I think that's where it can kind of helps lift us up a little bit more. All right. Well, that's a little bit of a shorter one for you guys. Next week, we are going to be talking about some of the more spiritual and inward looking musings that have come up for us lately. And it will be in some ways a continuation of this conversation in terms of the things that have been coming to the surface and that we've been recognizing lately, but with a bit of a different spin in more of the areas of our inward work and our spiritual exploration. All right. Well, we'll talk to you all next week then. Thanks, guys. Let us know what you think. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe so you never miss a show.